welcome to another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. And I'm Joe Mullings. And in the studio today, we've got some great guests from uh, Boston Beantown. Um, some good friends from Next Wave Hire, Josh and Phil. Guys, welcome. Thanks for Thank having you. us. guys uh, introduce yourselves to our audience? Sure. My name is Yash Mbardikar. I'm one of the co-founders of Next Wave Hire. I'm the CTO and in charge of the product. And my name is Phil Strazula. I'm one of the founders as well. Going a little bit of background here, Yash and I actually met up in Boston at the Harvard Innovation Lab. Yash was working on a different home automation company. I was finishing up my MBA at Harvard Business School and we just got super excited about helping people kind of find the right career paths uh, through telling sort of the inside story of working at companies. And um, we ran across each other. Phil and I met on the internet. Mm. Is that a little weird? <laughs> That's what people do these days. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, um, I, I was a fan of Phil's whiteboard. For those uh, who don't uh, uh, follow Phil yet, he's got a great whiteboard session or whiteboard Wednesdays, is it? Yeah, every Wednesday we kind of get in front of a whiteboard, talk about something that we think is relevant specifically to people in HR and talent acquisition. We're kind of data geeks. We like to talk about ROI of different initiatives, things like that. And Joe was kind enough to check out some of our earlier videos. And I think it so happened that you saw it on like a Tuesday and you're like, hey, I'm going to be in Boston tomorrow. You want to get coffee? Yeah, we grabbed that was a really good coffee shop. Where was that? Tate yeah. in Kendall Square. There's a couple of them in Boston, right? There's a couple, yeah. There's a couple in Kendall Square. So if somebody says, meet me at Tate and Kendall, you got to be really explicit about <laughs> where you're going. Wow. <laughs> so we met um, and uh, Phil had uh, shared with me what Next Wave was doing. And, and I'm always intrigued on the talent acquisition side. Christine and I talk about it. We talked about it in Italy, especially was art and science. When they meet and they congeal the right way, you, you get some amazing outcomes. So... Uh, respectfully, I thought about Next Wave as science, um, and I really think about what we do on the purebred recruiting as art. Um, so I selfishly pursued looking for a way to match the art and science together. So, what, what are the observations you guys have from your perspective right now in the sort of talent acquisition world and, and telling the story to individuals in the market who are looking for a job? Yeah, I think candidates are becoming pickier and pickier about their careers, which I think is a good thing. Um, for the company and the candidate, right? But part of that is telling an authentic story around what it's like to actually work at your company. And that's the kind of content that really would would resonate. Um, I think there are a lot of technology platforms and solutions out there that are trying to address this problem. But back to your point about art and science, it is still a human, um, it, it, there's a human component to this, right? So tech alone wouldn't solve that. And humans alone can do it, but you can scale that effort very efficiently through the technology. Yeah, you earlier had referred to, or Phil had, I love that analogy or the picture of the exoskeleton. Would you would you flush that out a little more? Yeah. So essentially what we view, and I think this is happening certainly in talent acquisition, it's happening in every part of the economy. There's more and more technology tools, and that could be something akin to AI or just tools in general. They're allowing the human being within the exoskeleton 
to be so much more powerful. They're, they're allowing that person to be a 10 X because the robot can do the stuff that robots are really good at. And the humans can still do the stuff that humans are really good at. And a lot of that is, is thinking. Um, and sometimes that's just setting things in motion that, you know, if you think about like an email cadence, a marketing email cadence, do you really want to have to send out emails every single day and respond to the ones that come in, et cetera, et cetera? No, you want to put it in motion and, and have the software kind of take over from there. The creative side, I'm going to go back to you, Ms. K. Mm-hmm. You tell me about what you think sort of the creative side and the art side is, because you guys have done an amazing sort of groundbreaking effort with our stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, you were mentioning earlier that there's like a, a general fear of AI replacing people. And I actually get to sort of bypass that fear because I think it's, at, at least now, it's really difficult to to have AI or or any any tech replicate the creative process, you know, and I, I think that we find that to be sort of fundamentally important for developing narratives around, you know, the hiring initiatives that we pursue with our clients, because it's just, it's the most, it's the most human process you could possibly go through, right? And that's, that's why machines have not really been able to replicate it yet. It's part of why we engage with magical thinking. You know, we want there to be a, a, a linear narrative to everything we do, including, you know, like I got into that car accident today because there was like some fate involved and there's a narr- there's an arc to this story that begins with my cup of coffee spilling this morning and ends with me at the office later today. And we, we read into every moment in our life as having sort of a, a deeper meaning. And I think that, uh, that there's a way to make that true for companies, right? Like the, there are these big and small moments that happen in every company and you can, you can really create meaning out of them that would potentially attract the right candidate for that role or, you know, and just as helpfully, you push away people that wouldn't be right for it because they either are going to see the meaning in that content, see that, that arc and feel that story and, and, and sympathize or empathize with it, or they're going to feel nothing and, and then good, right? Like they're not a part of this process anymore. So I think that the creative is, is, is fundamental because we think whether or not we are creative people, we think creatively. I think that's true. We are always looking for meaning in, in, in events in our lives and, and we try to make meaning out of these positions that are available for people to to, to look into and, and maybe take part in. So to piggyback off of that, the content is really the the jet fuel, if you will, right? To to getting the candidates excited and, and interested in your company. The technology, on the other hand, could be a way to get it out to more candidates um, in an efficient and scalable way. Yeah, and, and I always go with the simple, the engine and the amplifier. We, we chatted about that earlier. And so the engine is the company, and sometimes the engine is the story, um, and the amplifier is the tech. So the amplifier in some cases, especially on our platform, is LinkedIn. Because if uh, I have this great story, but I can't amplify it to tens of thousands of people, does it really exist? Uh, and the same thing when you get to the science side of things. Um, if I can amplify my message or amplify uh, whatever it is I think that the market wants to see or feel or hear, that's where the tech comes in, right? Other than other than Absolutely. it's just a, a scream, right? But mm-hmm. efficiently amplify those those messages. Yeah. What, what does Nextwave do on that? What 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 are you doing on, on on your end of things? Yeah. So one of the interesting trends that we've seen in the market, and this is especially true in a talent marketplace that's becoming increasingly competitive is that recruiting looks a lot more like marketing than it did previously. 
And some of this is driven by consumer behavior. We all shop on the internet. We all look at Yelp and TripAdvisor before we do anything. And that same sort of behavior has transferred over into the job seeker realm. And so it's kind of an interesting microcosm of like this art and science thing. Previously, the science was an applicant tracking system that was ugly and hard to navigate and there, there was no art. And so now more and more, there has to be more of that human touch. What we do at NextWave is we incorporate some of that human touch with more interesting insights into the company, employee stories, et cetera. And then we utilize some of the best sales and marketing best practices to distribute that content, get more eyeballs on it. We use it to convert people at higher rates on the career site by having better career sites. Talk about e-commerce. We basically build out product pages for the different roles within the company. What's it like to be a software engineer at this company or a woman in tech, et cetera? We treat it just like e-commerce. And so those are some of the big ways that we sort of are riding this HR is becoming marketing trend in addition to things like marketing automation, social distribution, and also realizing that a lot of people, especially in this economy, are not going to apply into an applicant tracking system. They are, especially those top 1% sort of people, they at the most are going to leave their name and email. And it's really incumbent upon the company to use the art side to build a relationship and that could be in very scaled ways, uh, or it could be in really human touch ways. You know, we, we came up with this concept that nobody had really executed on before. We call it pre-crude. And while I love the tech on the desktop, well, that's how old I am, on the iPhone <laughs> um, to amplify, but if all you're doing is attracting average people into your tech platform, all you're doing is managing and re-messaging to average people. And so we, have, we did not see any product or even any behaviors out in the marketplace that meaningfully went out to tell a story about the client, like overtly created content, spoke about the people, spoke about the life there, and then gave individuals a space, a safe space to lean in. Um, and then you get a higher quality of uh, individual into the pipe. And then it makes it worthwhile to manage that pipe. And I have not seen anybody else on that storytelling side load the pipe up. And Phil uh, and Yash, you and I were talking about this earlier. HR is the only function right now in an organization that's got not given permission to follow up quote unquote sales leads, just like the sales and marketing function does when they go to a trade show. So all these applicants who come in, interview, come in second, come in third, come in fourth, but they were good enough for you to bring in, we've yet to see a follow-up where you can keep them warm bench strength and thereby downrange later on, reduce the time, reduce the cost, reduce the opportunity cost to re-engage a warm or at least a hot lead. Did you guys find that in your research? Yeah, absolutely. I think even larger trend than that is applicants or candidates aren't applying to jobs right away, right? They take months, sometimes even a year or two uh, before they make the decision to think about a new career change or a new job. And the key that the, the companies who are winning in this war for talent are, are realizing is that they're staying top of mind uh, for these candidates. And they're doing that through the content, the storytelling, but they're also doing it through a very thoughtful and methodical social distribution strategy. 
And I think that's where the, the tech comes in as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting you made a basically a sales and marketing analogy there, which we always do. And I think that we found very few companies that are effectively nurturing the leads that they have that aren't far enough down the funnel where a human has touched them. And then the leads that a human has touched that maybe isn't right right now, but in 18 months, maybe even in six months will be right. And it, again, it gets back to the arts and science. Like, why doesn't that happen? Well, I think in one case, uh, the art necessarily, that DNA of creating the right story isn't inherent in most HR organizations. And then also um, the science, the tools, for the most part, haven't been there until now. And, you know, that's super funny. So all these CEOs always espouse that our number one asset are our people. Yet the most under-resourced, um, least sort of capable tools are in HR's hands. And it's not their fault. It's just that leadership hasn't really understood. But you get the sales guys and girls, you know, they got salesforce.com. They've got the expense accounts. They've got uh, the cars, right? They've got the travel around the country. HubSpot. Right, yeah. right. All that. But you don't have that. And, and, and Phil, you're right. A really good talent acquisition process is a marketing function and then a sales function and then a sales follow-up function. Because in order to load the sales pipeline, you've got to have a marketing message, which is our digital storytelling. And then to have the sales process properly to handle that prospect, right? And the interesting thing here is we have a prospect that can say yes and no, and most sales processes don't have that, right? And then you've got the follow-up if they didn't qualify for the sale this time, but are you keeping them in your sales queue? So it's really interesting that HR has not been empowered to think like that or be given the tools for that. Yeah, and we're starting to see a couple of organizations, and it's like literally a couple in the country who are starting to figure this out. And they have parts of the TA org that basically look like marketing teams. And some of them come from highly quantitative backgrounds like math major at Harvard type of thing. And they're looking at this like a highly quantitative marketer would look at it. And they're essentially in charge of building pipe. They're sourcing, the, you know, the sourcing capability. And eventually once something qualifies in sales lingo, it's an MQL to an SQL, you know, some somebody does an action that says, hey, I'm, I'm a qualified lead. Then a human reaches out and has to continue that marketing sort of dialogue um, and hitting on those key value propositions and, and move them down the funnel. But it's really few and far between. And to the point of making it sort of uh, bionic is the word we were throwing right, around before right. this, right? Bionic. Um, bionic <laughs> recruiting. So I think the, the HR professional, the recruiter is overworked, under-resourced, like you mentioned. And this is where technology comes in, right? To take a lot of that heavy lift, that manual work off of their plate and really get the content out there so that they can focus on what they're good at, which is the people side. But do you ever see people then over-index with the tool? Like that's what happens whenever, you know, when I first got my iPhone, I swear I would never be <laughs> on it more than, you know, three minutes a day, right? And, and whenever we get a tech tool, we tend to over-index sometimes without, and we lose the human touch. So yeah, what's going to be interesting to track is that over-indexing towards tech. And I see it a lot when people worry about AI coming in and replacing me or my firm or anybody in that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you saw it when video interviewings, asynchronous video interviewing first came out and 
you sent candidates three questions to ask on their laptop and people freaked out about that. And eventually it kind of became more the norm. But I think when it first went out, it really hurt the candidate experience because people weren't thinking about that human side. They were just like, oh, cool, new tech thing. It's going to save me a ton of time on interviewing. Boom, I'm going to blast this thing out. Oh, ATS. Okay, great. It's going to allow me to track diversity candidates and who needs a visa and blah, 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 blah. They didn't think about, oh, I've got to have this person submit a resume and then refill in all the stuff that's on their resume over and over again in this horrible system. And that's definitely a huge problem. And I think that the reliance or the propensity to rely more on AI and things like this, which are more conversational, uh, will be super high. And people are going to have to realize that it's not going to replace what a human can do. AI is not a human. It's not going to pass the Turing test at this point. Yeah. And I think it's really important that somebody stands guard at the experience of the individual in the process. And, and for way too long, it's been all about the company and not about the individual. And it was only about the individual when you were the individual who was getting chosen. After that, you were really just trashed. And again, the hangover from that is just looking, nobody pays attention to everybody who left the process. Well, I, I'm actually wondering, because I think that that uh, maybe both creative and scientifically minded people are future thinking, right? And I'm wondering if there's a way to kind of concretely lay out what you mean by um, AI impacting the hiring process and maybe lay out what you think five years from now looks like for, for talent acquisition. What do you think will be the norm that'll be adopted and, and what can candidates expect to start seeing in their process? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, as a technologist myself, I think we have to be very mindful of the responsibility that we have in building tech, not to replace people, but to augment people, right? Um, but I think it's augmenting the, the more manual tasks. Like imagine coming to a career site um, and scheduling an interview with a chatbot rather than having to go back and forth. That, that's a very manual process. That's something that doesn't necessarily require the human touch, um, but that could be very easily automated. Whereas actually explaining what life is like at the company right. cannot be automated. And to make a broad prediction, I think that things will change a lot less than people expect they will change in the next five years. I don't think... I actually have a, a five-year bet with the woman who ran GE's employer brand uh, about whether or not there'll be job search on their career site. We made this two years ago at this point for a steak dinner. She doesn't think there'll be a job search on the GE's career site. I don't think it's going to change that much. I think it's going to look pretty similar to what it is today. There'll be a couple of new tools. Hopefully, there'll be some better tools to replace the stuff that HR is forced to deal with at this point. But I don't think we'll have AI interviewing people or anything like that. What I think about technology, and, and this is what warms my heart, quite honestly, is I think technology exposes people. And so what I mean by that, the good and the bad, it amplifies who you are and who you're not. So tech, and we're seeing it with our clients, and you're going to see it with your clients, is they're exposing more of what's going on behind the scenes. They're exposing more. You can learn more today about any company you're going to interview with because of tech. Mm -hmm. You as an individual who's looking for a job get exposed out in the tech market for your silly Facebook page or your Instagram page or whatever you did right in college. It's only exposing who you are. So I really, I'm pro-tech when it comes to talent acquisition because it gives the individual in the marketplace so much more power. We've changed our philosophy on our firm in the last few years is 
respectfully, I do care about my clients, but I don't. We care about the individual because the firm that leads the market individual and the masses there will have the clients come to you anyway. So we believe in developing all of our content towards the individual and having them get value from us professionally, whether it's interviewing, insight into markets, market analysis from a TA, from a talent acquisition perspective. And I see too many organizations indexing towards the client. And I think if you win over the masses on the candidate side, we call them individuals. But for those listening, when I use the word individual, that means candidate. I think you're going to see all of our power going towards the individual. In fact, uh, we announced a new position in our firm here this week, director of TMG Experience. So everybody who comes in contact with us on our client side, the first engagement they have with a client, um, they're going to have what we hope is a bespoke type relationship, whether they get the job or not. Um, and I think that's important. You know, I want to keep this about careers. I think that's really important. You need to look at an organization on how they treat you. Yeah. If you're an individual interviewing, you need to look at and really dig deep in the interview process, or let's call it the engagement process, because the engagement process starts before the interview. And so you've got to look for what is their point of engagement to the market and do they really care about me? And then all the way through, and, and that would be my advice to the listeners out there who are thinking about interviewing with the company, what does that engagement process look like? Yeah, one thing that you, you talked about there, which is super interesting, is basically technology accelerating things. And, and I kind of view it in like a finance capacity of making markets more efficient. So technology allows companies to share more about what it's like to work at the company and therefore attract the right people, dissuade the wrong people. It reminds me a lot of working in venture capital where when I worked in VC seven or eight years ago, if a company was growing at 100%, that was amazing. You know, that, that's an incredible business. Let's invest in that company. These days, the rate of growth that's really impressive is more like two, three, a thousand percent a year. And the reason is because there are better tools that allow companies to spread awareness and share their story. And, and a tool could be Instagram. You could have an amazing consumer product like Allbirds. Somebody in the office just bought those. I bought a pair last week. I have a pair. You've got a pair. Um, we've all got know, a pair. I don't even know what they are. They're shoes. <laughs> <laughs> They're really comfortable shoes. Uh, why does Allbirds grow so quickly? Well, one, they have a great product, so there's word of mouth. But two, you buy that product, you post about it on Instagram, and because of technology, because you're melding that, you know, kind of arts and science type of thing, it, it, the word spreads really fast. Why are B2B SaaS companies growing so much faster? It's because there's tools that aren't just Salesforce. It's Salesforce plus Salesforce automation, like Outreach and SalesLoft and Marketo and like all these other things. And so my hope is that that same paradigm shift will happen within the HR world where because of these tools, we'll be able to more effectively and efficiently match people with the right jobs and just create happier careers. Mm. Yeah, I also think it, it, and this is from sort of my perspective behind the curtain, making this content, I think it's great for the morale at the company, for the people that are already there to feel like they're important enough to be featured, to be a part of the telling of the story of the company's culture. I, you know, I, while we are talking about finding the right talent to fill positions that are open, I think it's also really important to think about the talent you already have and creating this content and creating this awareness about your company really does make the people that are already there feel like 
their version of their story at your company is important to you and you want others to know about it. And I think that in the long run, that works out that, you know, I think people who watch it see that and feel, okay, well, this company cares in, to whatever extent. And, and I could be like this person. I can see myself in this person's shoes. So it, it feeds everybody all around, I think. If you had to, since this is a career um, show, what, what, <laughs> what would you, Yash, what, what would your one or two hints, insights be to people who are listening, how they might be able to leverage technology to get more interviews or even more job offers? Be consistent in your messaging, your personal branding on every platform that you use and engage with. Um, that means having a consistent message on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, and really using that as a way to tell your own story rather than just the bullet list of, you know, what you've done in the past. Use it to tell your story and really, you know, share the human side of what you've been doing um, to interact with that person, you know, coming to your profile. Yeah, I'm going to dig into that a little bit because you are, you're probably, I don't know, Phil, but Yash, you're probably the real techno nerd in the <laughs> office, in the, in the room here when it comes to- I'm a to close second. You're close second. <laughs> right. um, from scrubbing a resume, right? Or profile. Tell yeah. me the things that are going on that individuals should be aware of when they put their LinkedIn profile in something or their resume. Isn't there tech out there now that can sort of pull in content? Absolutely. Um, and this plays to your answer because you want to be consistent as it drags things in. Yeah. So you you definitely want to be consistent and authentic and have the right the right bullet points that tell your story. But there's a lot of keyword matching technology out there to where if there's an open position at a company, companies are using scrapers to figure out, you know, is this person's LinkedIn profile a real match or this resume a real match for this for this job? And one of the, the tips and tricks there is to actually use keywords that are in the job description that you really want in your LinkedIn profile or your resume so that when that tech comes in and scrapes and parses your resume and profile, you actually show up as, as someone who is right for the job. So I didn't know that. I mean, a lot of think about recruiters, right? Like most of the 100K plus jobs or a lot of them in the world today are the person who gets that job is found by a recruiter. How does a recruiter find you? Because you have an online presence. You have the right stuff in your LinkedIn profile. I got a job because of a blog that I started. My brother got a job because of a blog that he started. These are ways of getting found online and, and they can be pretty passive or you can actually build something that people care about and you're going to get found by the hiring manager. I think that's like the ultimate goal, right? I know somebody who got a really good job at a hedge fund without the right credentials because they had a really interesting website about how to build trading algorithms with MATLAB. That's pretty cool. Well, that is cool. So that's your own branding, marketing, and, and, and driving that that way. And using technology, right? A scraper or whatever it is, or even posting that up online on LinkedIn. But also remember that the inverse is true. Like just a friendly reminder to the viewers that that uh, your presence in, in the on the internet can get you a job and also can hurt you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just. Well, I think that's, there's always a yin and the yang. Right. Right. But right. I think if you go out there the right way with the right intention. I'm just saying you might have like all the right keywords in your LinkedIn profile, but I would definitely take a look at the other ones while you're at it. <laughs> well, and I think I want to reiterate, it's 
it's important to be authentic because mm-hmm. if you put a keyword in your LinkedIn profile or your resume right. that doesn't speak, yeah, <laughs> then, okay. then you're, that's not accurate. I think there's actually a part of my LinkedIn profile that I've shamelessly said for SEO purposes, colon, and then put in a bunch of keywords because I want to show up in certain searches. <laughs> wow. And I think like the right person will think, oh, that's kind of funny mm-hmm. uh, and won't hold it against me. What are the words, Phil? Recruitment marketing, employer uh, branding, uh, Ferrari, right, right, right. audacious leader. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of people searching for that. Give me all the audacious leaders in Boston. That's who we want to hire. Yeah. And then it's you. Right. And I'm the only result. I don't yeah, know why yeah, nobody else is doing this. But. but I mean, come on, people do that already. I watch people hashtag and uh, tag people on LinkedIn where it's totally self-serving just to get the views. Of yeah. course. Right. And, and and that's just being a hooker. I mean, really. That, that's growth meaning, hacking. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I call it hooker. Right. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, that there's a time for that and there's not a time for that. <laughs> To your point, so be really prudent in uh, uh, what keywords. Thank you. Can't you use the word there. prudent after that, Joe. <laughs> I exercise all words without bias. Uh-huh. You've been around me. Mm-hmm. There's that F word that's a comma, period, verb, adjective. All those. Mm-hmm. I'm from New York. Mm. Mom taught us that at two years old. <laughs> because she she was prudent. She was prudent with our language skills. Well. This has been a fun one. Yeah. It's good to have other people in the uh, studio who do what we do. Um, but different. But different. Yeah. Definitely interesting to meld perspectives. Yeah. It's super cool. Well, guys, thanks for coming in all the way down to hot Florida from beautiful Boston. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, having for having us. us. Yeah. You yeah. bet. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks. I'm Joe Mullings. I'm Christina Kay. And you've been listening to On The Line again. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. See you.